Hey, this is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth. Thanks for joining us as we continue our search for the church the way Jesus meant it to be. In our first segment today, I'm joined by Jos van Huysi, which he will correct when he gets here. He's a Dutchman who is on staff here at the Father's House Church, and he's going to join me to talk about his journey a little bit in our unnamed segment of Profile, Spotlight, whatever we want to call it. And in the main part of our show, we're going to be joined by Steve, who's going to be talking to us about some of the uncomfortable sayings of Jesus surrounding the topic of salvation, which is pretty important. As you're listening today, I'd love for you to think about some feedback you'd have for us at The Uncommon Truth. If you've got topics you want to hear discussed or ways that we can improve the show, things you want to hear talked about, please shoot me an email, and I'll put that email in the show notes below this episode. And I would love to even read your comments about the show on the podcast in the future. And now with that stuff all out of the way, let's get to The Uncommon Truth. Okay, so our, our guest today joined for our unnamed spotlight profile, whatever. We're going to come up with a good name for it, but we don't have it yet. Our guest is Yos. I'm going to allow him to say his own last name here in a second because uh, I'm not going to be able to pull that one off. But Yos is a staff member here at the Father's House. He, he does a lot of stuff with media, so he produces all our YouTube content. I guess as millennials go, he could be a content creator. Uh, that's a really trendy thing for millennials to be. And he also is a house leader in Life Recovery Ministries, which he can tell us a little bit more about later, but it's a really demanding thing with, with uh, working with our addiction recovery ministry, our discipleship program, and... What else does he do? He does a lot of worship art stuff. He plays some electric guitar and acoustic guitar and leads worship. And he's got an awesome mane of blonde hair. So welcome to The Uncommon Truth, Yos. It's good to be here. Yeah, Yos was actually, uh, Yos along with a friend of mine, Jacob, they're in the media department and they both were guests on the first episode of The Uncommon Truth, though you guys don't know that because they had to sit in the room with me as I did my my little monologue because I was so nervous about speaking and I didn't have anybody to speak to and I kept having to start over and so they they just sat in the room and I told it to them and so thanks for helping me out with that and and now you're now you're actually on a microphone now so I'm on it. thanks exactly. so how do you how do you say your full name Jos van Hauser okay he you get a little bit of uh, people ribbing you about that here right <laughs> definitely so uh, tell us where you're from. I'm from the Netherlands, and uh, um, in 2014, I did the School of Ministry in Toronto, and uh, okay. that was really good. Um, then I came here in July 2014 on an outreach. Okay. And uh, the the interesting thing is, is like, when I got here, I didn't want to come here at first. There was a lot of like uh, frustration with me coming here. And uh, the moment that I heard the sermons, I was very frustrated with that too at first. Okay. Um, the tough thing is like when Steve uh, preaches, there's just so much truth, so much... Uh, of Jesus's words that are being spoken that really got me offended yeah. in the first moment. Like yeah. I, I 
had such a hard time really understanding how to live what he was talking about. And uh, that for these first three weeks, that really caused me to just be shut off yeah. for what Steve was preaching. Um, and that was constantly, honestly, the thing. Like uh, um, we were doing a lot of ministry here. Yeah. Well, that's, that's funny that you say that because he's going to be on here as our guest and we're talking about the uncomfortable and challenging things that Jesus says specifically about salvation, but he has a way, right, of just oh, yeah. bringing that stuff. Like we're not beating around any bushes. We're totally going straight for the point. And I guess, I don't know much about Dutch culture, but I'm guessing that's not something that happens as, as uh, maybe as a, an American thing. I know if Spending 10 years in Canada, it took a little while getting used to that straight at the point sort of way that he delivers stuff, right? Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is when it comes down to the Netherlands, like uh, overall, it's very atheist. Right. And and now I did like study two years of theology there. But the interesting thing with that is just there's a lot of like explaining stuff away. what happens and so we just make up excuses we just say well jesus didn't really say that and then you find out later like oh he does really say that yeah and how should i really do this then in my life because i don't know and uh that was honestly like for example like here we're doing a lot of like hands-on ministry Mm -hmm. and for me my Christianity looked really passive, you know, before I was, you came here. Oh yeah. I yeah. was constantly waiting for God to move. Yeah. For God to do things to open up doors. And, uh, and that caused me to just really sit back and, and live in this, in this spot of like waiting on God, but also receiving from God, but it didn't really do that much. Yeah. And so when I got here and it was very much like we're doing stuff at Yeovil, you know, sign waving, we're right. just so many things. The first couple of weeks I thought, man, I don't know how I'm going to survive I'm not this. sure yet. I have the, I, I think I remember that. I came around the Mud Run, which is a huge event here for the oh, Lord's yeah. Gym. And I was like, man, these people are going crazy. But... I guess you didn't stay in that place of this is this kind of is too challenging or this isn't fun or I don't really want to be here. How'd you move past that or or what was the story? What what was really um, the changing point for me was so I left these three weeks and I went back home in the Netherlands and just really I felt something drawing me, you know, okay. like I felt really god drawing me to to this place and and it it just there was this phrase in my head of like you should go back you got a passion for this and and i don't know why yeah i at that moment didn't really like agree with it myself (laughs) but like i couldn't shake it yeah and so that was really the moment that i thought okay well let's now go there myself apart from outreach, apart from anything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I got here and I started really being open to the messages Yeah, where first I was closed off. 
and really seeing what is Steve really talking about? What is his heart behind everything? Right. And that opened up so much for me. Like, oh my gosh, you know, like Steve and Jordy, like they're, they're, even that message on, on salvation really changed how I looked at like my own Christianity and like my own life. Like, mm -hmm. am I doing this? Like, do I really believe that I'm saved? Or is it just like they say, you going to the finish line? Yeah. Really running the race to the finish line. And that is honestly what started off for me. Like, okay, I have wrong thinking. Yeah. Let's change that. So you you did this school. It was called the School of Ministry at the time. But tell me about going through school. Like what sort of, what was the process like learning, sitting under Jordy's teaching and, and Maria's teaching and other people? Um, when it comes down to school, school was really good for me in the sense that I made friends. Uh, there was this whole community yeah. that I was not used to. And so even if I had problems or if I had questions about what was being taught or whatever, I had people to go to. I had mentors that helped me with that. Like the cool thing is, is um, I had all these one-on-one -on -one mentors. Yeah. And I had constantly conversations with them. They helped me out a lot. And I was not used to that at all. Like I, my family is very focused on them, like family. Right. And so there's a lot of like fear for people outside of that. Okay. Even friendships wise. Uh, and, and I honestly took that over. Um, I. So very individual, right? Exactly. Okay. I didn't really have that many friends, I didn't really open up to any friends. And so that was really the challenge for me. You have, you have constantly messages that challenge you. And what are you going yeah. to do with that then? And I needed these people to really talk about it. Like, man, I'm struggling with this. Yeah. How am I doing this? And the fact that I had these people and I started to trust started to trust the, the leaders around here that really changed for me to yeah. like accept community yeah that's great so where are you at now what do you what sort of things or what what's your christianity like now after i guess so 2014 to we're in 2019 wow that's a long time but yeah. wh what's it what's it like now you're on staff doing a lot of things still I'm on staff. I have a lot of responsibilities, a lot of things that they have given to me. And it's really cool because like when I look back at it, like if I told that guy in 2014, you would have done this yeah. like five years down the line, I would have said, there's no way, <laughs> there's no way. And I don't even know if I wanted it at yeah. that moment, you know? But like just being able to lead worship, being able to lead a house with like clients of Life Recovery Ministries and just really mentoring them, helping them, mm -hmm. then mentoring people in the internship, just, just the opportunity to do so many things, just really 
helped me to see that the effort that I put in isn't going to burn me out. Yeah. The wow. effort to put in is, is really like I'm giving my life away, like we say here all the time. And mm -hmm. in doing so, I really found out that I was getting life. Yeah. I was really feeling so happy and alive and, and feeling honestly very honored that I can do all these things, that they give me the, these responsibilities. Um, like when it comes down to life recovery ministries, I never used drugs. Um, and so I thought I'm not qualified for yeah. this at all. You yeah. know, that'd be intimidating. But just the fact that they asked me and gave me the opportunity to speak life into these guys' lives is, has been so great. Yeah. And I really see how I like have something that they need i really have wisdom i really have things that they they need and even in the mentorship you know like as a european sometimes it's it's it's, it's hard to be here yeah uh there are a lot of culture clashes a lot of things that are very different from from home and what yeah. i'm used to and the fact that i can now use that um, and share my story with people that are like that I mentor that are also from Europe. Yeah, um, really helps. Really yeah. helps them to overcome and see see past what they are facing. Because like I've been through it myself. Yeah. Would you say you're you're less confused now? Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 Even after two years studying theology, and then you come come to Oroville, California, and, and that's where you, you become less confused. That's kind of, that it, it feels like that's right, because, you know, when Jesus does things, it's like, well, we didn't expect it to be like that, but it sort of makes sense now, and uh, exactly. kind of like making, making the wise look foolish, and, and the foolish wise, you know, I don't know, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I, I really appreciate having you on. I appreciate playing softball with you. Yos is my <laughs> double play partner. He's the second baseman on the shortstop. So, oh, yeah. yeah, we we have some good times and some some, you know, not so. They're they're always good times. The play is not always great uh, around, you know, in the in the Lord's Gym softball team. But we always have a good time. That's part of one of the things we do too. So, exactly. we're uh, we're gonna be. I'm gonna ask Steve a little bit because today's trade deadline day in Major League Baseball. So I'm gonna talk to him a little bit about baseball too. Cool. So that'll be a good segue. But thanks so much for stopping by. You have anybody you want to uh, shout out in in your homeland? Anybody you want to say hi to? Maybe people that listen. Um, you know, I know that my brother is listening. So, okay. uh, yeah, I'm I'm just excited to be on this and just cool. share my story. Can you say hi to him in Dutch? Hi, Ruben. Oh, that's that's <laughs> that's Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, th I was expecting uh, a little bit. Okay. A little bit more. Hey, Ruben. Uh, I I hope that you did geweldig vindt om even te horen. Yes. Dat ik uh, op deze podcast ben en ik weet dat je er naar luistert. Dus dat is top. All right. Well, hopefully that shoots us up the the Dutch charts for iTunes. Oh yeah. Right there. So thank you so much, Jos. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon Great. hopefully steve welcome back to the uncommon truth how's it going going good man all right so did you know today was 
or is, or I'm not sure what time it is, but it's trade deadline day in Major League Baseball. Wow. And I've heard you say back in the day or kind of here and there that you're a baseball player or were a baseball player, wanted to be a Major League Baseball player growing up. And I am, I'm a big fan of baseball. Unfortunately for me today, I'm pretty sure both of my teams are going to be on the selling side of the the trades. Yeah. yeah. Neither of them. The the Rockies. I'm from Colorado, right? So the Rockies. I was. I've been at many opening days and many games. They they were expected to contend for the World Series this year, and that's just not going to happen. You know, I uh, don't follow much except for when the Giants are in contention. So I'm really become a fair weather fan because of my busy schedule. Yeah. And lately the Giants have been winning, climbing the ladder, so I'm more interested. You might be back into it, yeah. I'm more interested because Carl Yastrzemski's grandson is tearing it up, you know, and Carl Yastrzemski is a contemporary of my day. But, you know, I was a Willie. I had a dream my whole life to play baseball, and uh, I always thought that was going to happen. I was always going to – Get to the major leagues before Willie Mays retired. That was really so the, the goal him. of my life was to play with Willie Mays before he retired. He was my hero in life, and uh, they traded him in '72 and broke my heart. You oh, know, man. traded him. To Where the did Mets. they trade him to? I the didn't New know. New York Mets. You know, he he finished out his career with the New York Mets. I didn't know that. Last two years, I guess he retired in '74, but okay, was traded in '72. Played two years with the Mets. He started in New York with the New York Giants. Yeah. Anyway, I was uh, I spent many a days fantasizing over me and him hitting back to back home runs in Candlestick Park, where home yeah. runs go to die. Yeah, uh, if he had played in any other park in the world, um, it, he would have been amazing. You know, an interesting fact about him is when he moved to Candlestick Park, he knew he couldn't hit home runs, and I watched balls hit over the fence in Candlestick Park blow back in. Well, yeah, yeah he so had windy, so right? many home runs stopped. And he changed his hitting style for that park and hit 49 home runs, what, in 1962, I think, or 64. He hit 49 home runs playing in Candlestick Park. So you can imagine what a home wow. run hitter he was. Yeah. Because he had to change his hitting style to hit to right field and hit so many home runs to the opposite field. It was unbelievable. I didn't know. I I guess I just always picture him in a Giants uniform. Yeah, it's funny the the way baseball goes. So that's um, so Carl Yastrzemski's grand. You said grandson. Grandson is starting so for the he's Giants. Starting. I think he's an outfielder, right? I think. He, uh, yeah, I and think he plays right field. What he something. is is a hitter. So I don't know yeah. where he plays. I know well, he's he, hitting. He messed with the Rockies. Everybody messes with the Rockies these days. Yeah. But so my favorite player growing up uh, early when the Rockies were first starting out was Dante Bichette. And he had uh, he had this mullet going on and number 10 for the Colorado Rockies. He hit, he was an all star like four different years. And he I think he hit uh, he hit like 40, 45 home runs or something when I was growing up, when I first became a Rockies fan, when the Rockies first became the yeah. team. Right. And. Now his son just got called up this past week to play for my other favorite team, the Toronto Blue Jays, and that's pretty cool to see. They now they've got three uh, legacy players, sons <laughs> of former major league, not just any major yeah. league players, but really good major league players. So they have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and yeah. uh, and he had a grand slam. He, he has only been in the league for half a season. He has two grand slams. Yeah, and uh, and then Kevin Biggio is Craig Biggio's son. And then this, uh, yeah, 
Right, well, Dante it Bichette's broke my son. heart because I never played Major League Baseball, nor did I ever get serious at the right age because I got too angry about everything. Then I met Jesus, and I gave up most of my hobbies to go and preach the gospel. So how do you like? How do you get into baseball? When did you start playing? At nine, I started playing at nine, and uh, a uh, a girl in our church, Christina. Her grandfather died before she was born, but her grandfather was the hero of my life. Really? He drafted me in Major League Little League at nine, and I turned into an all-star immediately, and he coached me. Even when he wasn't my coach, he would sit in the stands and say, Steve, you want to know if it's a fastball or a curveball? And I'd say, yeah. And he, we had a signal in the stands where he would yeah. call out a certain – well, I guess he would say my last name first if it was a uh, curveball, and I okay. would just smoke it, you know? Yeah. And things like that. He'd say, this pitcher tends to throw it down this middle when there's runners in scoring position, and yeah. I'd just smoke it. Anyway, he, he was he was a great, great, uh, no, new, what I would call a neutral adult in my life back in those days, and then mm-hmm. his granddaughter ends up in my church. And, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So what position did you play? I actually played every position on the baseball field except okay. probably – when I, I mean, I caught a couple innings of my life, but I, yeah. I played everything. I was a very much uh, utility, mm-hmm. but I could play anything. And and I, um, it's interesting. I something five years in a row, I made all stars at five different positions. Nice. My favorite was shortstop. Okay, yeah. that's that's what I play now for our for our team, our really? our Lord's Gym team. That really, we play on Monday nights. I started in left field. Which I used to be all right at catching fly balls, yeah. but the uh, playing at night and the lights—I don't know. This is my excuse. The lights are are not super tall, the posts, and so I got it, I got it, I got it, and then it goes over the lights mm-hmm. and comes back into the lights, and then I don't got it. You have no idea. I do where the it is. Uh, the signature yeah. slow pitch move where you yeah. break in on the ball and then you have to do- like almost jump backwards to catch the ball. You know? Yeah. You, that's how you know somebody plays slow pitch softball. That in the would outfield. be a nightmare. So they moved me to shortstop, where I've, I've, I guess I've requited myself quite well. I guess right. Taking a few, I'm not afraid of the hops. I guess I've taken a lot of hits in my life, so I'm not afraid of it bouncing up and hitting me. And it does from time to time because out there in that field, man, it's it yeah. a lot of bad hops. <laughs> it's a little bit of a, a rough field. Uh, I, I just like baseball. I, I did a lot of playing when I was younger. I never got super serious about it, but my stepbrother played on a traveling team. He played in a in a tournament against, or he, he went out to, I think it was Arizona down to Tucson to play in a traveling tournament and a helicopter landed on the next field for the team he was playing. And everybody's wondering who this is, who this is. And they go, Oh yeah, that's that new kid. His name's Bryce Harper. So he played against Bryce Harper and they, I think they got mercy ruled right away, right oh, out of the tournament. Terrible. But this team, hired Bryce Harper to come in at like 13 to come and play. And he was by far the best player, but that's just a little bit of baseball talk. Cause it's trade deadline day. And yep. that's the last exciting thing I can, I can get excited about baseball today. That formerly this. was my favorite subject. Now we're going to talk about my real yeah. now favorite subject. Cause I'm, I mean, I, I can't really talk about baseball after this. My team's going to be way out of it. Yeah. Both of my teams are going to be way out of it. Well, we'll get, we'll get into the good stuff. So, all right. So in this series, we've been talking about some of the uncomfortable things that Jesus has been saying, or that Jesus says, and we 
maybe don't always pay attention to them to ignore (laughs) yeah well they're easy to ignore because they make us uncomfortable right that's that's the very nature of what we're talking about and and trying to be jesus people it's i've learned from you that's not an acceptable response to reading the bible you can't just pick and choose what you want to what you want to to believe and what you want to affect your theology it all has to affect your theology that's right? right so we've we've covered a few different things and today it's probably the most important one we're talking about some of the uncomfortable things he says about salvation so i mean why why is it so important that that we just we have to zero in on what he says because he says in john chapter 12 that my words will judge you so what he says is his words He's not talking about the Bible as a whole. He's talking about the sayings he said here on earth. Red letters, right? Red letters in our Bible, but the teachings and the nature of man. Some of us in our own souls, I mean, most of us have an understanding of right and wrong unless it's been taught out of us. And so it it doesn't make sense what we believe. And what he says is only logical. Hmm. Like, for instance, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? Well, who on earth would think that he's their Lord if you don't follow him and you don't obey him? Yeah. So he says this crazy thing, you know. Why do you call me Lord? And we all know you can't have a savior. This he won't be your savior if he's not your Lord. Yeah. And so if he's not your savior, you're in trouble unless he's your savior. So you have to make him your Lord for him to be your savior. He says, why do you call me Lord? Many will call, come to me and say, Lord, we knew you. We cast out demons in your name. He says, I don't even know you. And on the other side, the, the, in addition to that, there's any branch in me that doesn't bear good fruit to be cut, cut off. There's so many scriptures like this. They just line up. And we tend to develop a Christianity that doesn't reflect what he says. You know, if you do these things. You can be my disciple. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. Well, I have people who aren't free, and they really don't live the truth, claiming that he's their Lord, and he's saying, why do you? Why are you claiming me as Lord? You don't do what I say. Yeah. So obedience being an important part of him being your Lord, him being your Lord being the most important part of being your Savior, and him being your savior, being the only thing that matters on whether or not you're saved or not. Yeah. So I think these are unbelievably important subjects to talk about. And yet, when you talk about them, you sound like you're criticizing everybody else's opinion. And the truth is, nobody's opinion, including mine, matters. The only mm-hmm. thing that matters is what Jesus said. That's why he said... My words will judge you. Yeah. And why he said, anyone who hears these sayings of mine and acts upon them. And why he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And he says all this stuff. I mean, it's, he goes on. There's quite a few more. Yeah. But we don't talk about them anymore because they are uncomfortable. So, they cause yeah. me to look at my life and say, do I do those things? Have I denied myself, picked up my cross, followed him? It wasn't a suggestion. He said, if anyone would come after me, first he must. I think it's pretty clear. 
Well, it kind of goes back to the conversation I had with Johnny. I don't know if you got if you got to listen to that one, but we we're talking about how a perception of Jesus in kind of today's culture is is sort of like nice and fluffy and yeah, yeah not really the, not Pillsbury really doughboy. Yeah, <laughs> and so if if you have that picture of Jesus, then it's hard to reconcile his words because they're actually really challenging. Yeah, they're really challenging. I mean. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. I mean, come on, stop right there. Whoa, evaluate. Does your eye cause you to sin? He's saying that sinning is still extremely important after you know him. Mm. It is extremely important that you not sin. So much so that you'd be better off if you cut your eye out. So you have a choice to make. What it really leaves you with is a choice to make. Cut your hand off, gouge your eye out, or... Stop sinning. John the Apostle says if anyone does sin, and he says if anyone does sin. Well, we don't talk like that anymore. It's like I'm going to sin. And John's saying if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. You confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you. But that's based on sins that are ifs, not not foregone conclusions. Yeah. Not intentional disobedience. So, So how do we get back to this? actually like switching our minds around so we can pay attention to what Jesus says it takes a switch doesn't it because i i see a lot of people or i'll talk to people and and i'll notice it myself even that proclivity to just i'm just reading it and it doesn't even sink in cuz one i've heard it a lot i have heard it a lot living in the church right and and how do so how do i get past that well i'm just going to skip over it i know i shouldn't but well in my opinion how you get past it is quit listening to everybody and their mother who says something different okay you know they, there's just so many ear twitching eye tickling messages that make you feel good about yourself and i think i want you to feel good about yourself but the best reason for feeling good about yourself is that you've gone ahead and done what's right you picked up your cross and followed him you've obeyed him when you so that when you call him lord he's actually your lord you have you know honored him as lord you have prayed what he told you to pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name i will not dishonor it you know kind of so what hallow means is a is a honored name meaning I won't dishonor it. And so when you do all these things, and you won't do them unless you stop ignoring them, stop letting a worship song that says one thing tell you not what to believe instead of the words of Jesus. You don't bypass what this says, but you bypass what he says. Right. And you won't get all this if you don't start reading. And if you will stop reading everything else and just draw yourself to reading the Gospels, for a really good season until you've read them three or four times, then you'll start to really change. You, your life will change without much effort. Yeah. At his, all. The words will start to, they'll start to impact you. It'll transform just, you. Just from the, like, I know, I guess I'm on my third, fourth or third or fourth round. Cause I did it a couple times. I mean, you say it quite a bit and I heard that before I came here. So yeah. I started doing that. I started focusing on, I'm just going to put a little S next to anything that says, has anything to do with salvation, because I wanted to know. And I guess that's something about me that I 
uh, why I'm a good person to ask some of these questions because I think I, I think about this stuff a lot. And even though I've had seasons of forgetting about some things when, when it's there, I, I don't think I can actually shove it down again. Like I don't, right. that, maybe some people are different, but I don't feel like I can, I have the ability. It's like a splinter in my mind, right? Like what if, what if this is really how it is? I better right. start, I better start looking into it more. Right. So, yeah, I think that what happens, we talk about as Christians being saved past tense. Now there mm-hmm. are this, there is this language in the Bible about how we are saved. I honestly believe that the translation between the Hebrew or the Greek into English doesn't spell out very well that we are being saved. Hmm. We are saved. We are almost saved. We will be saved. All of this vernacular is in the Bible. But I think from the description of events, a judgment seat of Christ, Paul saying, don't be deceived. Every single one of us will stand and give answers. If we are saved past tense, what are we giving answers for? Every one of these parables with the, the virgin bridesmaids, 10 of them, five, right. save their oil, you, you know, spare, keep their oil going, and five, squander their oil. Five, get in, five, don't. That happens when the bridegroom comes. Well, what's he talking about? The fruit inspection of the vine, the, the branch that doesn't bear fruit, is cut off and thrown in a fire. Yeah, I was thinking about that one. That's uh, in John 15. Yeah. the that He says, in me. Every branch in, in me, me that doesn't so bear fruit. Right? They're already Christians. And so all of these verses, there really are a lot of them. There's the talents. gives the talents out. And he comes and he accounts for the talents. And the one hid it under and said, I knew you to be a harsh master. And he judged him. It happens future tense. All these happenings of the judgment of the talents, the judgment seat of Christ, that's one Paul's talking about, give an answer for every action. They, they lend themselves to an absolute future event. Salvation, true salvation, an absolute determination of your soul. I don't, I don't know why we 100% across the board Christians believe it's a past tense thing when all the vernacular of the New Testament is a future tense thing. Hmm. There's going to be a reckoning, a judgment seat of Christ. It says he's going to come in the clouds and call the faithful. He's going to take some and leave others behind. Two men walking up a hill stuff. He says a lot of stuff. And, it, you know, if you start ignoring what's uncomfortable... Oh my goodness. It I mean I'm uncomfortable sitting here quoting it. Yeah. It's really important that we read these things and kind of divorce ourselves from what we've been taught so that we have a fresh slate, a, a blank slate to write the truth on and let him write the truth. Don't let me write the truth. Read it. Find yeah. the context. Begin to make a commitment to whatever you say, Lord. If you say cut off my hand, then I'm not going to cut off my hand. I'm going to stop sinning. Mm-hmm. You say, pick up your cross. I'm going to do whatever I can. At least when I, when my time comes, I will have made great efforts to pick up my cross and deny myself and follow and obey you so that I can call you Lord, so that I can call you Savior. Right. And then I'm looking forward to that day when you say, enter in my good and faithful servant. 
Yeah, I mean, also a future tense event. Yeah, I, I see that, and I see this. I think that that's the trend of society. We've we've sort of gotten away from being able to challenge ourselves with things. We right. we separate ourselves from things that make us feel uncomfortable. We, you know, it's it's human nature to you you want to be comfortable as comfortable as possible. Like we're in, we're when we first started recording this show, we were in kind of these folding chairs and mm-hmm. now we're in we're in nicer chairs right it's, yeah much more comfortable it's more comfortable and probably a better product for quieter it. less less creaking going on yeah but if if we do that with our theology there's a danger there now i had a i had a friend who, who asked me like isn't it isn't it sort of dangerous to follow he would say follow one person's interpretation of what Jesus's words mean. So how would you answer that? He was talking about, we were talking about being here and, and he's obviously seen how our lives are different. My family's life from paying more attention to the words of Jesus and and listening to you teach on them. Right. Uh, And so he's kind of intrigued, wants to know a little bit more, but he asked the question, yeah, isn't, isn't it sort of dangerous or scary following one guy's interpretation? So there are several ways around. There's several vantage points people need to follow, and it's not one man's interpretation, and it is one man's interpretation. When you read the book of Matthew, you are reading what Matthew compiled for you, and Matthew happens to be one guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's one guy that walked with Jesus. Yes, he was inspired by God. But so am I, and I'm one guy inspired by God. And the really wondrous part of this question is the listener has the Holy Spirit as well. Mm. What I find most people who go ahead and do what I've told them to do, which is read it and decide for yourself. Your friend has the idea that I'm brainwashing or imprinting. Only what my interpretation of it is. And I'm not. I'm telling you, read it. And here, let me quote it for you. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit will throw be thrown in a fire. And I say, what does that mean? Let's figure it out, right? Yeah. What does that mean? So your, your role is more of a, hey guys, let's pay attention to Jesus. Yeah. And by the way... I've been paying attention to Jesus, and this is what I've found. But yeah, you and, go, and Matthew's the one quoting it, and he's a man. Paul the Apostle's interpreting those things into lifestyle for the Gentile Christian. Mm-hmm. Peter is interpreting what Jesus said to him into the lifestyle of his converts, and he's deciding what the church should look like. Paul's deciding, and Paul the Apostle is one man who interpreted what Jesus said, put it in books inspired by God, and we call it the Word of God. But his name is on everyone. I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And we follow the Bible. Yeah. The craziest thing is the monks who canonized the Bible was hundreds of years later, many hundreds of years, and they were men. And they put, they had a lot of material to work with and made the canonization to be the 66 books we look at again men and so people ask that question because they're afraid because there's been so many 
men who have been dishonorable with their character, with their honor. They have not treated the people listening to them very well. Me, though, I'm telling you my interpretation, but mostly I'm just reading it saying, look, this is what I see. Yeah, it's more of a way of approaching it right. rather than a new interpretation, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that, And that's why I kind of understand, right? It's If you put the cart before the horse, which is, I guess in this instance, would be reading everything as if it was, you know, this is how we should live. Right. Um, then, then that sort of puts the cart before the horse, and then you end up, living like David or living like Solomon or Mm -hmm. living like Samson or somebody else who, you know, they're not really great examples on how to live. Right. Uh, But if you, if you do take serious when, when we we see in like, I think it's Matthew 17, the transfiguration when, when Jesus and John and Peter, Peter, James and John, right? It's always (laughs) Peter, James and John, they're doing stuff in a sailboat or on a mountain. I just think of the song, but the voice comes out of the cloud and says, not, not Elijah, not Moses, but this is my son. Listen to him. Right. And that's basically all you're saying. If, if I'm understanding you, right. He says, this is my son. Listen to him. Right. And the other two were gone. And so I, me, what I do is I just quote that and say, what does it mean? I challenge every one of my leaders. Go find out what that means and come back and tell me. We're on a journey together to figure out what this means. And so I ask hundreds of leaders two different questions. And it's shocking how many leaders have never... I have yet to have a single leader answer one question, right? I say, what does Jesus command us? Everyone says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's These 100% are leaders wrong. you've met else, like out in, in the world, right? No, Christian leaders. Okay, but not... Not, not here our, at the Father's house. Right. But I do ask when people come here new. Yeah. But 100 Christian leaders at conferences and pastors of churches, not one has ever said, love one another as I have loved you. Right, the command that he gave. And that's the only command he gave. This I command you. I give you a new commandment to love one another as I have loved you. And if it's our goal to, as the voice from the cloud says, listen to him... That's a pretty good place to start. That's right? the only place. The, the apostles commend every church they write to. I commend you for the love you have for one another. Right. Because that's they know that was the marching order. That's the interpretation of the words of Jesus, to love one another. And yet, you know, half the world won't even listen to us because they have examples of not being loved. Yeah. The second question I ask is, what does the Bible say of how you be saved? And it's just crazy. They say... They say things the Bible says. Usually they say, believe in, your, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. You know, yeah. believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And yes, it says that. That is in there. But then I say, well, what, is, what's, what does it say the most will be saved? Nobody knows. Mm. Nobody knows. I really have not come across... One person that knows the answer to that. And it's strange, too, because we claim to read the Bible. We claim to be a Bible-based religion. And I say, well, do you know that it says more than 13 times? And I think it's like way more than 13. Endure to the end, persevere to the end. He who overcomes, overcome to the end, will be saved. To the end. The end of what? Go read it. 
come back to me and tell me what it takes to be saved. What do you do with the three verses that say, believe and you'll be saved? Yeah. Well, you have to wonder, could overcoming to the end be the literal definition of the word believe? When it says believe, could he be saying believe? Show your belief by overcoming living, enduring to the end. I I wonder if... um Maybe our listeners, some of us, you know, we've got a lot of listeners. I'm noticing every day we got listeners in new places. Got a bunch of new listeners in Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada that wow. I just noticed from last week. So Labrador. Cool. If you're up in Labrador or Newfoundland, then uh, I want you guys to send us an email. But wherever you're at listening, it'd be great to to see if you could try that. Just read through the Gospels. It doesn't take long. We're not we're not saying write a book or anything, right? You know, just, just read them. Don't do a study or a word study. Just read through, right? Just the just the plain text understanding in a in a normal translation, and yeah. and see if it doesn't change change how you view it. I think that that was good for me. That's what I did before I got here. That's what I'm doing in the school of transformation because that's the curriculum, and and it has. I have definitely. I can say I'm much less confused than the first time I walked into this church for that wedding. So I, th- I think that's a good place to stop. And I appreciate your, your love of baseball. And I really appreciate your love of Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. And I, I appreciate your love for truth. That's why we're here. That's why we get to have a podcast called the uncommon truth because you're following after it. And so, yeah, it's, it's a good to, it's a pleasure to follow you in seeking that. Yeah. It is such a good thing to be on this on your program. Thank you for having me, and uh, I just love uh, Jesus, and I just love talking about him. I'll talk about him as often as you want. All right. Well, that's good because you're our number one guest. <laughs> yes, it seems like it. So thanks, Steve. Take care. Okay, so before we wrap it up, I'd like to shout out to a few of our regular listeners that I've had the chance to interact with over the past few days. My brother-in-law, Sean, came down from Arburg, Manitoba for a visit, and he's been a listener since we got started. I got to show him our lovely nursery where we record. Thanks for listening, Sean. I also got to hang out with Tyler W. here from church as we were hanging out at a pool party last night, and he told me my voice was soothing. Not sure if that's a compliment or not. I have a really hard time listening to my own voice, but I'll take it as a compliment. So thanks for listening, Tyler. If you've got some feedback for the podcast or you got a question you'd like to ask Steve or a topic you'd like to see covered, you can find my email address in the show notes. It's maxerman at tfhc-orville.org. Also, if you're listening from a strange area of the world like Yosa's Netherlands or Labrador and Newfoundland, send me an email. I'd love to shout you out. As always, you can find out more about the Father's House, the School of Transformation, and our Life Recovery Ministries, and all the other things we do that Yos was talking about and Steve goes into. You can find all that stuff in our show notes directly below the episode. If you're listening and the School of Transformation sounds interesting to you, you should know that registration is now open for our term starting September 2nd. So you can go to transformationschool.org and check out information there. Now I'm off to go pack for our men's retreat, our camping trip in the middle of nowhere. So if there's not an episode next week, you know I've been eaten by a bear. But hopefully I will be with you again next week for The Uncommon Truth. Thanks for listening.